We're gonna talk about the usual unimportant matters here, but fun stuff. Difference between LA and New York people. What do you want to die while you still have an appointment for? Should I have taken extra cornbread at Marie Callender's? When is it too late to correct someone's pronunciation of your name? So tons of wonderfully unimportant stuff. But before we start with any of that, Adrian, I don't know if you saw the latest news that came out about about an hour, hour and a half ago about Trump's tape. Did you see that? Yes, 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 I did. And I actually just filmed Overruled before I thought I was going running, which is why I took my makeup off. But like now I'm here, but yeah, no, I had just filmed a segment on it. Okay, you did, all right, so yeah. I, so did I, this is that's our business. But you're our legal expert, how toast is he? Okay, so the thing is, is this just shows you the weight of the evidence that Jack Smith has. And so I'm not really shocked by it because if you're going to you know, come against the king, you best not miss. So I assumed that the evidence would be substantiated and would be substantial. It's just also kind of crazy that Trump knew he was being recorded. But I think at the end of the day, what Trump is really pushing for here is just jury nullification. He just wants to get juries or a juror out there who won't convict down there in Florida in federal court. And that's what he's hanging his hat on and what he's gonna be hopeful for. Because I think the weight of the evidence is going to be so incredibly significant and substantial that you would actually need a jury to refuse to apply the law to the facts in order for anything that is otherwise not a guilty conviction to come into play. It's it's pretty much an admission, a confession that tape. Um, so exactly. like a lot of people, I think, will be thrown off by the fact that it sounds so core, uh, like friendly, and it seems like they're talking about it's no big deal. But he's pl- passing top secret classified documents, and he admits he has them. He admits they're not classified, that they're not declassified. He admits he can't declassify them. I mean, it's just the prosecutor's yeah. dream come true. And it falls right in their lap. Um, but he's got three shots at the apple, jury nullification, judge nullification. Doesn't happen that often, but with Trump, could be. And and then politician nullification, whether it's him, another Republican, or Joe Biden next time. The chance of him getting pardoned is pretty freaking high. So that's last round to it. You know what, is fact, let, let me just, I, we don't do too much politics here, but we do from time to time. And I might come to a, back to it because I did, had a really interesting weekend with a mixed family who was mixed Democrats and Republicans nearly evenly. Lots of super interesting stuff that came out of that. But um, in terms of, uh, just curious what you guys think of this somewhat fun angle to this. Um, Do you, like I said a while back that I think if Biden wins a second term, he might pardon Trump. And people on Twitter like were like, you're crazy, there's no way you're gonna do that. Some did, did. others were like, of course he is. So, but I'm curious what you guys think, is that crazy or do you think there's some chance that'll happen? Well, as crazy as it is to make that prediction, it's equally crazy to say, no, you're crazy. Because who knows, (laughs) look, it's unlikely. I'd say it's not more than 50% chance that Biden will pardon him, but it could be 49. I don't know. It's on. I, I bet slightly against it. I wish I could bet. I wish I could say you were crazy for proposing that. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. No. I, I don't think you're crazy at all. I think it's 
I think it actually can be expected. We see how often Biden wants to do this uh, centrist, you know, I'm both sides. I want to men bring people together. Like he's still operating as though this is 1976. And so I really think that there is a very, very high chance that he's going to pardon Trump uh, and think it makes him look merciful when it's like, no, son, this ain't it. Yeah, 100%. Well, it'll make it, he thinks it'll make him look like he's healing the country, is what he's gonna do. Oh, 100%. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Bipartisan, healing the country. He, he's like saving uh, civility and all the wonderful things in the world, etc. And if it was 1997, yeah, the, everybody in the press, everyone would be like, yes, yes, Joe Biden. What a great thing to do to pardon the criminal Republican, right? Uh, and I think that 70% of the press will still do that. Uh, right now, if you ask Jake Tapper, Anderson Cooper, etc., uh, do you think Biden will uh, pardon Trump if he wins another term? If Biden wins another term, I guarantee you every anchor will be like, no way. What an outrageous, scandalous thing to suggest. And then the day after he does it, they'll be like, well, of course he was gonna do that. It's the statesmanlike thing to do. And that's who Joe Biden is. And why would anybody complain about that? So that's my guess. <laughs> um, yeah, and there is like a gambling site where you can gamble on political things. I'm trying to actively avoid it so I don't get sucked into that. But man, I'd make a lot of money. But uh, you <laughs> said he has three shots at the apple, and that's right, those are his three outs. But a guy who's leaking classified information like that, shouldn't he be detained? Well, that's the thing. Okay, so now we can turn to our legal expert. I mean, so one of our contributors on Rebel Headquarters is Richard Ojeda. And Ojeda had clearance, right? I didn't forget how high his clearance went, but it was significant because he's in the military and and has like I don't know 14 medals or something like that. I lost track, and and he's been to skiffs and he's seen these classified documents and he's like walking out of a skiff with one of these. It's like you're in so much trouble. You can't even begin to explain the trouble you're in, like. That what Trump did is crazy, let alone Marjorie Taylor Greene the other day. It's like, it's like I was in a skiff, and that's supposed to be the secure area where you can't even take the documents out. She's like, and they told me I can't take documents or copy them. So I started taking notes, as much notes as I can, and I stuck them out there. And here they are, she says on Fox News. And you're like, what? Wait, that's like criminal. What are you doing? But Republicans are above the law, they can do anything they want. So that's why they're like shocked that Trump is being held to account to somebody. They're like, wait a minute, we have to follow the rules too? That's super weird to them. So anyways, Adrian, I know you're guessing, it's not your necessarily your field of expertise, but any idea about how much time somebody would get if they were a regular citizen and did what Trump did? Oh gosh, um, there was a woman who was just convicted of uh, similar charges just last week, I think on Thursday uh, in the federal courts. And um, I'll have to look up what she got, but it was for a few years at a minimum. Um, I think in Trump's situation is, given how egregious this is, I think if you are a normal person, like minimum 20 years. Like I think, you know, um, they're not they're not looking to let you out anytime soon. But the thing is, is I just don't necessarily know uh, the sentence Trump is gonna get here, especially because, um, I don't, I don't recall any of the charges having any kind of mandatory minimums. Uh, and so what scares me here is that it would put the weight of any kind of conviction in the hands of Eileen Cannon in sentencing. 
Um, so, you know, unless there's a mandatory minimum, she could have a field day. But I wasn't talking about sentencing. I'm talking about like Jack Teixeira. He's in jail right now. I mean, yeah, yeah, no, no, that's a good point, Dave. I see what you're saying. And I think that I brought up Ojeda because of your original question, and I lost track of it. Yeah, they're going to detain you, right? I mean, like, yeah. the sheriff's detained. <laughs> like, it's not really that close, especially given that it was how to attack America was among the documents. <laughs> like it just yep, and one of the reasons they gave for detaining Teixeira is because he's been exposed to sensitive information and they didn't want him to become a potential target in some way where another you know, government could come and infiltrate or get him involved in some way or take him away if he were out and about. I think the only thing that makes Trump different is the fact that he has secret service on him at all times. And so it's a matter of why bother detaining you when you are effectively detained. Um, but then again, it's just like they have this long leash for this man and he can go anywhere and do anything and he clearly doesn't give a damn. I go to Marie Callender's, which is a kind of basically like a diner kind of place here in LA uh, the other day. And so I ordered uh, a burger and the burger, they're like, if you make it a combo for like a nickel more, I'm exaggerating, but not by much. It's a cheap place. Like 79 cents more, you get a slice of pie. I'm like, mm, okay, you win. But before they told me the slice of pie, I had already already ordered a cornbread. Okay, so I'm like, all right, I'll eat the pie today or something. I'll eat the cornbread tomorrow or something, right? I'm not gonna like burger. Like just to give you guys a sense, I'm significantly overweight, but I would never eat a burger, a slice of pie, and cornbread in one meal. Never, ever, not even close. Okay. So anyways, but that's not the point. Uh, the guy uh, so takes the order, I pay, and then I wait 10, 15 minutes, whatever it takes. And then I get it and I just double check it, Oh, there's no cornbread, okay? And so I say to the guy, oh brother, sorry, man, there's no cornbread in here. And then he's like, oh, okay, did I charge you for it? I don't know, and then he's like stumbling around with trying to find the receipt and find the cornbread at the same time. And then he kind of gets both like similar times and is like, "Oh, I didn't charge you for it, but do you still want it? And I was like, uh, yeah, okay. Because I had ordered it and I wanted to pay for it and he's offering it to me and I, you know, I was like, okay, thanks. I really appreciate it and, and I took it and I went home. And then as I was driving home, I was like, did I, well, did I do something wrong? Like this is not like a fancy restaurant, it's like a diner, right? Yeah. Should I have made sure, no, I'm gonna pay for it or no, I don't want the cornbread. Uh, so I felt a little guilty about it, so I thought I'd throw it to a Supreme Court here. And uh, see, another legal matter on old school. <laughs> okay, first, hold your thought, Adrian, Dave. Well, I'm he should have just charged you didn't do anything wrong. He should have charged you for it. And then everyone's clear. He did his job and you did whatever you want. I don't I might be missing something. No, he felt like he was inconveniencing me because he remembers I definitely ordered the cornbread yeah. and he forgot it. And so but I could tell he was hesitating. And then I was like, as I was driving home, I'm like, I got all these like pangs of okay, <laughs> I was gonna call it white guilt. Uh, <laughs> even though I'm not white and it doesn't have anything to do with the race. Uh, but like this sense of like uh, am I, he's not paying for it, is he? Because if he pays for it instead of the diner, then I'm gonna be feel really bad. 
But you know, that's how like all of my friends, like Ben Manquist and Michael Schur, those guys, they're always like positive that the guy's gonna pay for it. I'm like, how do you know? I never heard. You never heard. No. You don't know that. The, the, the restaurant might eat the cost. Maybe it's a pain in his butt, and maybe they're closing shift or something. He's about to close out. He doesn't want to add something to a, a bill that's already been closed. That could be, it was kind of a little bit late. That might be the dynamic there. But I don't think you did anything wrong, he should just charge you for it. And if he didn't charge you sad day, just keep on going. Yeah, it cost them three and a half cents. Okay, all right, all right, Adrian, thoughts? Uh, yeah, I think it's um, it's a good gesture that he did because it's a customer loyalty kind of thing. And the fact that he had forgotten to charge you for it. So it seems completely and totally logical. Uh, that, and you know, I'm sure they throw away a fair amount of food if it doesn't get eaten. Uh, so I think it's probably no harm done at all in any way. Okay, yeah. so. And if he hesitated, it might have been, does he have the, he was thinking, how do I make this up to this person and what do I have the power to do? No, technically, you're. Indisputably correct. He chunks it up to good customer relations. Dave's right that the three and a half cents or whatever their cornbread actually cost them is well worth it. And being the like the person that I am, and that um, I immediately thought I got to go back there. Okay, I got to give them more business for the kindness that they've done me. So it was it was worth it and for the business. But are you guys saying I sh like? It shouldn't even cross my mind, like no big deal, what are you crazy? In this case, yeah, no big deal. There are situations where you should feel guilty if you did something wrong, but you didn't in this case. All right, okay, all right, I'll take, I'll take the win. Just to give the flip side, I went to a pretty nice restaurant recently with, there were four of us. And this is a place that has a pre-fixed menu, the dessert and a salad and an appetizer. But we weren't that hungry. so. so one person said, I just want the salad and the soup. And I said, I'll take that main dish and then I ordered the dessert or something. And the guy said, you know what? All together, that's just the prefix. So I'll just charge you for that and we're done here. And it came out much cheaper and everyone got what they wanted. And the waiter went out of his way to make it right for all of us. Yeah, but that's a little bit different because the, the waiter is actively telling you, it's okay to order this and etc. I'm not comparing it so much to your store. I'm just saying it's an example of a waiter doing a real solid for the customers. All right, yeah. You know yeah. what I love? I love people doing solids for one another when they don't have to. Isn't that the best? It is, yes. And Marie Callender's shows that their holding company brings in 800 million annually. <laughs> did you just look that up? Yes, I did. That's yeah, amazing. That, that makes you feel a little bit better. Okay, it does. You guys, so I don't know if Dave remembers the story. Adrian, I doubt you were on the air anytime I talked about it, but it's, you reminded me of the story that I had from MSNBC. Um, and some of the uh, longtime viewers might remember this. Uh, so when I was an anchor there, uh, I had to go and do uh, a very important event uh, on Labor Day, and that was uh, the fantasy football draft with my friends, including Dave Kohler. Okay. And so I was gonna drive down, I was gonna go down from New York to New Jersey, but traffic is a nightmare when you're driving that Friday night into into Jersey, because everybody's leaving New York. Holiday weekend. Holiday weekend, they're going to the beach in Jersey, etc. And so it much better take the train, but I gotta take this giant bag with me, right? And taking it on the crowded train, it's a disaster, rolling into Port Authority, oh, or Grand Central, disaster, right? 
So I just sharing with a friend, Derek, actually, I, which who I just miraculously randomly ran into in New York uh, the other day. Anyways, and I say, ah, I got this conundrum. Should I take the train or should I have MSNBC, you know, pay for a car for me to go down there, but I'll, then I'll lose a couple hours, right? And he's like, what do you mean? Easy. Uh, you take the train and you get MSNBC to have a car drive your bag down there. <laughs> I remember this. <laughs> and I'm like, no, that's crazy. That's like a lot of money. <laughs> drive a stupid bag down there. And he's like, Jenk, they're owned by GE, a defense contractor. Make them do it just for like, just to show them, okay? <laughs> just because you can. Uh, and I found that argument persuasive. <laughs> so I had him drive the back. <laughs> At the time, I was like, Iraq war, they were a defense contractor. Yeah, okay, at least screw them out of however much money this is. Uh, was that okay? Am I pardoned on that one? Adrian's saying, I don't know if that was okay. I, I, there are certain things that I'm like, oh my God, that's an extremely wasteful. So I, wasteful, you're totally I, I right. Can't, I can't, I, I, I wish I were that kind of person who could like, you know those people who are like raised like that and they don't bat an eye? Yeah, that's right, and I'm not like, that guy. Exactly, yeah, and it's just one of those you're like, I don't know if I could do it, I don't know. Yeah, no, I had a lot of trouble pulling the trigger. Derek like, like almost grabbed the phone and I forget if he did it for me, like I can't take this anymore. I'm calling them, making them do it, or if he made me do it. Uh, but uh, and I'm not throwing him on the bus. I'm like, hey, he's, his idea is probably the correct one. But having grown up a uh, frugal immigrant that I did, yes, that was like ah, so wasteful. Uh, Dave, you grew up similar to me. Uh, any qualms about that or no? Yeah, the wastefulness aspect would bother me, but given all the circumstances, yeah, you did the right thing to do it. I, I would, I agree. The argument was persuasive. All right, <laughs> I'm getting a lot of pardons today for my past crimes um, or potential crimes. Um, right now, Trump's going, yeah, look at how unfair this is. Selective prosecution. He gets to take the cornbread home, and I'm prosecuted. Uh, so, uh, speaking of MSNBC, that was the first time, other than the one time I snuck on with Dave, uh, that I took, I ever took first class. And that was when I first found out that in first class, they warm your nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Which I had no idea. Because, like, rich people do things for no reason, right? They're like, oh, send your bag in a car. It'll only cost $300 or whatever it costs. I don't know. I don't want to know. Okay. And they're like, well, you just have the nuts unwarmed? <laughs> I do declare. <laughs> I Can remember. you imagine what it's like for them, though? Imagine if you grew up with these, like, these really unnecessary. Things and then you get out in the real world and you're like, wait, what? Like, that's like what? Growing up in Jersey where they pump your gas for you and then you go everywhere else and you're like, oh my God, I had to do this myself. That literally happened to me. Well, yeah. Yeah. I bet it did it. Yeah. And so I'm curious what Dave's first experience was, but I remember sitting in a gas station for like seven minutes going, Jesus, where are they? Are they ever going to come? 
He can't pump my gas. I must have been in Pennsylvania, is my guess, right? <laughs> but and then finally, somebody told me, or I asked someone. They're like, "You have to pump your own gas," and I was like, "Well, how in the world would you do that?" <laughs> I'm like, "That's not my job. I don't know how to pump gas." Does everybody know how to pump gas? How do you pump gas? <laughs> because if you guys don't know, Jersey, they pump your gas for you, and so. It never even, and I never left the state in a when I could drive, and I had no idea. I mean, so I was a rel. I think I was a fairly grown ass man when I was sitting in that gas station, <laughs> just wondering when the hell the attendant was going to come. Do you remember your first time? Yeah, I don't remember my first solo purchase of gas outside New Jersey, but I do remember after spending some time out in New Jersey and coming back to New Jersey and forgetting and getting out of the car and going to the machine. And some guy came running over, what are you doing? No, no, we do that. <laughs> and by the way, so that's another funny thing about the government, right? Like in New Jersey, it's like, this is like a safety issue. You, you can't pump your own gas, that's crazy. In 49 other states, they're <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Just get out, pump the goddamn gas, it's fine. <laughs> I always thought it was 48 others. I'm not sure. Oh yeah, no. Adrian no, no, can no. look it up. I, I, <laughs> she already knows that she's our legal expert. Um, so Michael sure might know that one actually. Uh, no, I, I I said 49 randomly. There might be another state that does. It. Um, uh, but yeah, and then I remember the day that in Jersey they uh, somebody told me, oh, you got to tip the gas attendant, and I was like, no, I'm already paying for the gas. Well, and I've never had to tip the guy my whole life. But now all of a sudden we got to tip this guy, and now looking back at it, now like the tipping has gone so out of control that they, we did a story about how landlords are now expecting tips. Oh my god! Get the f out of here! Okay, you are not getting a tip of your landlord. But gas attendant now seems like oh yeah yeah I'm sure of course. Wait, uh, so you would tip gas attendants in New Jersey now? No, but I could. I haven't heard that one. <laughs> oh, you haven't heard that one? No. That's convenient. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, okay. Um, <laughs> I, d I do wonder if Adrian's right. If, like, I know you're right overall, but I wonder about the, the warm nuts situation. If rich people one day they're like, they get like a normal mixed nuts at a bar and they're like, have some. They're like, these aren't warmed. <laughs> well, that's cool. isn't that what that Korean lady did when she had a fit on the airplane owned by her father or whatever? Oh yeah, right. Was it over warm nuts? I think it was over nuts, but I'm not sure. But whatever it was, it was a triviality, and she <laughs> she flipped out. That's so funny. How, like, how good does your life have to be that you think not having the nuts warmed for you? Is a travesty. Wow, your life has to be spectacular for you to think that. A level of privilege. Yeah. Wow, that is a hell of a thing, man. But I'm telling you, all rich people are that. Not all, but most rich people are miserable. That's my experience. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Very much. So. Yeah. I was talking to a friend of mine who lives in West LA. Lives in a town in like a little area that is not. You know, Beverly Hills or Brentwood or Santa Monica, like these spectacular places, right? And so, in that, in West LA, he lives in an area that's probably bottom 20%, okay? Um, but in the world, he lives in an area that's the top 2%, top 2%, right? 
What do you guys think? And before I put my bias into it, what percentage of the people in that neighborhood think, yes, I live in the top 2% of the world in wealth? And what percentage think, god damn it, we're so poor compared to the rest of the areas here? Your real question. I think it's I'm likely curious. to be the latter. Yeah, I think it's more likely to be the latter because, um, you know, it's you know you're looking at your surroundings. If you have what the worst house on the best street kind of thing, um, so I think there's a lot of comparison going on. But I'd also like to hope that people would be grateful. Um, but of course, it requires getting out of your own bubble. Uh, but when you you know when you're following the news cycle and you hear about all the things that go on and how other people live and whatnot, I don't know. It keeps me grateful for sure. That's good. I mean, the fact that you're not even saying that it's a hundred to zero is already good news. Like, yeah. I think there's some chance that some people would answer that way. It's a hundred being, God damn it, I'm in the bottom twenty percent. Uh, but what do you think, Dave? Yeah, I agree with Adrian. They, they, you look at your proximal area first, and you compare there. And but by the way, it's not top two percent. It's much. It's narrower that the, the worst neighborhood in West LA or the near the worst neighborhood is, is probably better than the top 2% in the world. Yeah, I'm just being generous. Like, I'll give you it, top it, two instead of top one, right? <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, what do you guys think? Is it around? It's not 50 50. It's not even close. To, I don't think it's close to 50 50. Is it 80 20 or 95 5 on how people perceive it? I mean, yeah, very few people. Think about the people in Bangladesh and say, man, my crappy apartment is awesome. <laughs> it doesn't happen. So it's 95.5. Yeah. Okay. Well, at least you guys know one guy who does that. <laughs> <laughs> and I used to do it at the crappiest apartments. Uh, yeah. Uh, like in, when I lived on South Beach, I had a studio, it wasn't even a one bedroom. Uh, it was tiny, it was super hot all the time, but I got to add an air conditioning. Uh, it's. I mean, there was blood on the streets literally at some point. It's that's two different apartments. I had blood on the streets right in front of it, so not perfectly safe to say the least. But it wasn't too unsafe either. I thought this place is amazing. Mm -hmm. I'm in South Beach. People come here for a vacation, and I live. Yeah, I mean that's a great attitude. But your attitude was that that you're in South Beach and that's awesome and the place is good enough. It wasn't I'm better than the people in Bangladesh. That, that wasn't. Oh no no I no I rubbed it into the people of Bangladesh <laughs> too in my mind. It's <laughs> like <laughs> so what happened now Bangladesh? <laughs> but no no but I did think no I'm way better off than other people, even though I have almost no money and I live in this studio apartment. I don't know if it was Bangladesh in specific, <laughs> but anyways we all should do that. We don't. It is what it is. I forgot to say we're sponsored by shoptyt.com. We're also where you can tyt.com slash justice. More made up sponsors, okay? But at tyt.com slash justice, you will get, you can get pre order my book, Justice is Coming. I'm doing a reading of it now. I go in and I read for five hours straight. And I have five of those sessions to read the whole book, okay? I thought it would be harder. It's actually not that bad. Uh, but I found out why people speak the way they do in podcasts. And it had kind of annoyed me, and I'll share that secret with you guys. Um, whenever I listen to podcasts, <laughs> people always talk like this. I don't know okay. if it's all. <laughs> okay, but a lot of them do. Ezra it, Klein, for sure. 
And Malcolm Gladwell. Blah, yeah, blah, Malcolm right. Gladwell's annoying. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I love his podcast, but he's annoying. And those kind of people, like NPR, often speak this way. And it drives me crazy, it's nails on a chalkboard. But I realize why. Uh, it's because you have to enunciate, yep. and they have scripts. And once you have a script, you have to read it really slowly. Otherwise, people won't know what you're talking about because you read it like this. And they're like, what, wait, what, say it again? Right, but in an audiobook or a script you're reading on a podcast, you can't have people going, "Wait, wait, wait, what? Say it again." <laughs> right? So, I don't do it as I'm conscious of it. So I'm not reading it like this, but a little bit I am. <laughs> but in your five times five hours, how much of that is repeat reading? Not that much. That's what I was worried about because when I read for an ad or something here. I guess a lot of times I got to do it two, three times to get it right. Because if you've never read ever, try it. No, I'm kidding. If you've never read that type of thing, you'd be surprised how many words you just roll over or say slightly wrong, yada, yada. Like a thousand things go wrong. But when you're doing it for the book, you get in a groove. You get in a groove and you just, and you power through. So, like I think we're gonna hit it in 25 hours of reading, <laughs> but you don't. The listening won't take that long. Don't worry. Okay. Um, but one cool thing about it was the, the guy doing the. There's two guys that are helping me. One's in New York. He's the editor, so he's looking for content, substance, etc. Um, and then there's the sound editor that's in LA with me and. He's just like me, he is an immigrant that was born somewhere else, but mainly grew up here or lived here a long time. He's from Israel and and he comes out in every break and he's like, that's so true. <laughs> well, you just read so true. He's like, why, why isn't anybody else saying this? This, this is exactly right. <laughs> Sounds like they should flip jobs. The sound editor should be doing the editing. <laughs> he often does, apparently. Right. So, <laughs> so uh, apparently, I've got at least one guy who likes the book. Okay, and then Julie here, who's in our PR department, liked it. Aaron Waisaki liked it. Okay, go three for three so far. At least two and a and a quarter. We're about a quarter of the way through the book. For the I'm about a quarter of the way through it. Is that right? Yeah. I'm afraid to ask. No, that's a future old school episode. <laughs> it's a future old school episode. Okay, I like it. Okay, so more nonsense topics. Um, I'm in New York, and you know you got the traffic lights. That's the same everywhere with the, the the orange dude. Then he turns into a white or orange hand turns into a white dude. Interesting. Anyway, <laughs> and then you could walk right, and then it counts down, and and I got to a light and it was at one, right? So it was one second left, it's about to run out. And I like froze. And then it was too late and then I stayed. And then I got mad at myself and I was like, this is New York. You go with one second left. And then I realized, oh, look at that. Isn't that funny? In LA, no one goes with one second left. In New York, everyone goes with one second left. Right. And it's so culture is such an amazing thing. I've lived in LA too long, so I hesitated and blew it. And I felt like a 
like a disgusting non-New Yorker. Mm-hmm. Like people like looking at me like, he stayed with one second left. Disgusting. <laughs> okay, what do you guys think? Am I right about the culture? Is that the general reaction LA and New York would have? I well, think- to confirm, were you driving or walking? Oh, well, I was walking. Okay, good to know. Um, yeah, man, no, that's crazy. Uh, I remember when I first moved to New York, I was a 19 year old kid, grew up in Sacramento. And I got there and I was actually obeying the traffic lights and I'd stand there. And about after three or four months of that, I realized just go when you wanna go. Um, And yeah, and generally in people LA, they don't go. But then again, like we get busted for, what is it, uh, jaywalking in Beverly Hills and stuff. So yeah, we usually just stand and wait, it's cultural. No, it's true. Like when I got to LA, I didn't believe that the cops were gonna pull you over for jaywalking. That's having yeah, moved from the East Coast. I was like, it didn't even I'm like, there's no I heard that that happens. And I was like, there's no way that happens. There's a zero percent chance. Nobody could waste their time on something as trivial as that. Nope. In Westwood got pulled over for <laughs> for jaywalking. I'm like, Aww. I almost want to tell the cop, like, you serious, dog? Like <laughs> I got pulled over for, um, I was in the jogging, running in the morning. And it was, I'd get up at 6 a.m. and I lived in West Hollywood, like on the main strip in Boys Town. And it's completely dead empty, dead empty. And I jog through a crosswalk. All of a sudden, cop comes out, sirens out, hmm. and says, Ma'am, that's a crosswalk. You need to walk through it. And I was just no. like, Yes. Oh my God, that's even worse than my story. And it, it was a black cop too, and I was almost like, Negro, I know you're not wasting my time. <laughs> I'm Am not I allowed to laugh at that? Yeah, you're just fine to laugh. Because I, I, that's why I looked at him like, really? And he kind of just grinned. Do you know what he was doing? Messing with my time. I Look, I think there's some percent chance he was just hitting on you. I, I, I think he was messing with my time, yes. Okay. Yeah, that explains it. That, that makes yes. more sense. But mm-hmm. he came at me with, uh, sir, that's a crosswalk, not a cross run. Like, <laughs> come on, just okay. You know what? Write me the ticket, dude, because this is gonna get ugly. Just write me the ticket. And let's move on before I start answering you. <laughs> okay, Dave, one second left. What do you do? Yeah, it, in LA, I stop in New York if if it's not too hot and it's not raining and the road's slick and you're gonna slip. And, uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, I run. You you run in yeah. New York. Same people, different city. Different actions. Yeah, when in Rome. And even the fact that you run is really like generous. <laughs> New Yorkers just, they'll get there when they get there. Yeah. Yep. But despite this culture, a lot of pedestrian deaths occur in LA. People walking in the street across the street and get hit by cars. Really? Yeah. I didn't Not know so that. much in, it's more in the, in the valley, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. That's a big problem. Valley's a different culture. Yeah. Valley's got its issues. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't know why that happens. That's really, uh, you know, kidding aside, I'm super surprised by that. Because there's a soup like LA has a, things like that give LA a very obedient culture. Like in New York, there's a lot of, ah, get out of here with that, right? In LA, it's like, yes, yeah, sir, right? Of course, sir. Well, but what it happens is because there aren't enough opportunities for people to cross. So the lady is sitting there with her shopping bags waiting forever to cross the damn six lane boulevard and it never comes. So she runs for it and then 
Oh, yeah, I could see that. They don't have enough stops, bumps, stop signs, traffic light on some of the big avenues. One last piece piece of kvetching about LA traffic, um, just because it might be in your neck of the woods too, depending on the city. Like when I first got here, I was shocked that they did not have either U-turns, which we were very used to in New Jersey. Like you go into the jug handle, and then it takes you around, and you do the that the turn that way. Um, but more importantly, when you're just going to make a left, there's no green arrow for the left. You just have to wait for most of those places. Now they put in a couple, but you just have to wait till it's a yellow light and they cross, cross, cross. It's almost red, and then two to four of you just book it to try Hell to. Oh yeah. <laughs> Left on red, yes, yes. Like, and I'll go. I've been the fourth car deep, and I'll still hit it. Oh, I I think it's one of the best things in LA, and it's so special. And everyone just waits for it, and they're like, and other cars don't rush it or anything. They're like, nope, we gotta let them go. No, recently I got my first moving violation in like 15 years, and it was for a left on red in Culver City. Yeah. Well, how deep were you? Were you the second car, third car, fourth car? Fourth or so. Oh, fourth or so. Oh, or so. Yeah. Look at Dave. Dave's the most cautious <laughs> driver I know, but look at fourth or so over here. Yeah, you ran that red light, bro. Yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> I, I went to court to fight it, and I studied up how you do that. And uh, there was a, there's a series, there's like seven arguments that you make. So I got to the court, I was ready with my seven arguments, and but they had it all prepared. Culver City sent a representative. Who gave the city's case first, and he knocked out all seven of my arguments before I even uh-huh. stood up. He's just like, uh, you know, in that movie, what was the the rapper, the, the in Eight rap. Mile, Eminem, yes. Eminem, yeah, like they yeah, out rapped him. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, so I just gave up and I pleaded no contest. Same exact thing happened to me, but not on a le- uh, uh, turn on left. It was something else. I don't know what I did wrong, but I heard you can go to court. I didn't even bother Googling it. I was just gonna talk my way out of it. And the judge is like, yeah, no. <laughs> okay, and he's like, you can contest it now, but then it'll cost you like four times as right. much or something. And I'm like, Yikes. fine, I'll pay it, I did it. <laughs> I confess. <laughs> they know how to break you over there, they do. Uh, that's Maybe that's why we have an obedient culture. Uh, but I remember when I first got to LA, and I'm like, wait, I just have to turn left on red? Is that the system here? This, that's insane. And I would, I got stuck at like three lights, three, four lights before I was like, I guess, okay, I guess that's what everyone's doing. And now when only one car turns on red, I'm like, hey, buddy, ah, ah, let's go, let's go, we got places to go. Okay. Anyways, uh, all right, more uh, fun nonsense. Oh, this is a quick one that we can squeeze in. Um, I went to the dentist the other day, and I don't know why it popped into my head that I could die. Uh, not, <laughs> not at the dentist, just in general, in life. And I thought, you know what? I really want to die with a dental appointment still on my calendar. <laughs> like, like if I if I had to go to the dentist on a Thursday and I passed away on a Tuesday, the last thing I think was, yes, I don't have to go to the dentist. It still charge your credit card like the missing fee, fifty dollars. <laughs> you didn't make it. It's True, not our business. But at least I'd be dead and I wouldn't know. Uh, <laughs> okay.
Okay, is there anything that, like that where you think, hmm, man, here, like, there's a bunch of easy ones. There's like, if you're getting audited by the IRS, oh, I was gonna go to the audit, but God damn it, I died. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, <laughs> suckers. <laughs> But any, but it can't be unrealistic. Like, oh, I was gonna go, gonna get a twenty-year life sentence, but oh no, um, anything like that—that's unpleasant enough that you'd root for it to have be on your calendar before you die. It's funny. I went to the dentist today too, uh, and it, some of my mouth is still numb. Uh, but um, gyno, mm. like having a gyno appointment, I'd be good. No, I'd be like, see. yes, I wouldn't know. You about know, that. keep stirrups. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, colonoscopy is an easy one, and not yeah. because of the procedure. The procedure, you're knocked out. You don't feel a thing. Um, no, it's you have to drink like gallons and gallons of water. Then you have to drink this awful tasting thing. Oh, I still remember the taste of my mouth. Like I couldn't get it out of my mouth for like two weeks. Oh, I hated that thing. And then you can't eat for a while. Ugh. The day. Uh, yeah, whole day. You crazy? Oh, I can't do that. When it comes to the dentist, I do what you think everyone should do with their crappy apartment. I think, as uncomfortable as this is, thank God I'm not in a Nazi concentration camp with one of their dentists. Yeah, you went like all the way on. A <laughs> yeah. You did not stop at Bangladesh. No, you made that. You were the fifth car turning left. <laughs> you really went for it there. That's so. I'm always <laughs> grateful at the dentist because they're helping me and they use anesthesia. Yes. And it could be infinitely worse. Yes. Yeah. I think about um, you know like a really like older like Western movies and like thinking about the times when they would do dental work back in the day and they just get you real drunk. And yeah. like trying to take out a tooth, they like knock you with something. Hope the other teeth didn't come out in the t like. Oh my god! Like, and what kind of life must that have been? Like, if your teeth are rotting and you still have to eat, and yeah, I'm good. Well, my grandfather was a dentist. He was the only dentist in the in their little town, and and I we still have his equipment. So we I've seen it many times, and it looks as you would suspect medieval. <laughs> right, because back then, I mean, in that same town, my dad grew up with no electricity, no fridge, no clock, no nothing. Okay, so and my grandfather is not from my dad's side, from my mom's side, and and they were better off, and that's why he could get an education and he could become a dentist, and he was from one of the better families or whatever. But yeah. but the people that he was working with. You know that they don't have a lot of money at all, right? And he doesn't have a lot of money for a dental office, so it was old school. You just go in there, want to shake it and pull it out, and like I'll lock, chisel away. And so my grandfather was a great BS artist, like, I mean, <laughs> and I mean that in both ways. Okay, like he could tell a story, and so everybody loved hearing his stories. Mm -hmm. Maybe I got a little bit of that from him. But he was definitely full of it, and I think a lot of people knew it. <laughs> and I remember even as a kid, so he told a story about how he 
Atatürk came through town and he pulled Atatürk's tooth. And I yeah. was like, that didn't happen. No. <laughs> <laughs> so Atatürk's like the George Washington of Turkey, right? The founder. So it's it's conceivable, like the times match up, right? Atatürk could have come through Kittis, their little town, and my uh, grandfather is the only dentist. So it's not impossible. But even at like 13, I was like, yeah, that didn't happen. <laughs> because if Ataturk had gone through Kilis, that's all anybody would ever talk about. Everybody from that town would be like, oh, the time that Ataturk came here. Did you know your grandfather pulled his tooth? Like, it's that, you know, it's that small a town where that's not a thing that would pass by anyway. And my I know my grandfather, if he pulled Ataturk's tooth, he'd have it framed and put up on the wall. It wouldn't be like, oh yeah, did I did I pull Ataturk's tooth? Yeah. Did I? Okay, I think I did. No. Grandpa, I got news for you. You didn't. <laughs> God, Atatürk's such an interesting cat, right? Because, or the culture around him in Turkey. Because, so he's like, you know how in North Korea they have the pictures of like the dear leader and the great leader and every room and all that stuff, right? In every house, every office building. I think, I think they do. That's like old school cult thing to do. Same thing happens in Turkey, but they mean it. Like it's not mandatory or anything. They just they love him, and so they have him up in like most of the restaurants, a lot of the homes. And I remember Haas's grandfather. So not from my side of the family, but from his dad's side of the family. Um, actually, did have an interaction with Ataturk, and if that's why I knew my grand among the thousand reasons why I knew my grandfather's story was uh, malarkey, as Biden would say, because anyone who has an Ataturk story. They're inconsolable. Like he started telling the story and how Ataturk was nice to him for like three and a half seconds, right? And he started weeping. Oh my God. Yeah, he's like, oh, and Ataturk shook my hand and said, good work. Ah. <laughs> and then I, I get this like kind of funny, uncomfortable feeling. I'm like, I like Ataturk. I think he's a good, I mean, he turned. Uh, the Islamic Caliphate, which is what the Ottoman Empire was the seat of the Islamic Caliphate, into a modern republic without, and it was very secular, took the influence of religion out. He modernized the country in a thousand ways. Um, we had one of the first female Supreme Court justices in the history of the world uh, because of that modernization, among other things. So he's an amazing military commander and and won back Turkey's freedom from the occupying armies, etc. On the other hand, it is a bit of a cult, right? <laughs> so am I allowed to feel okay about it? Or should I be a little disconcerted about the cultish aspect of it? Go. You said it earlier, it's not imposed as a cult, not completely. It's Genuine and authentic and voluntary. Yeah, you know the lines are, are blurry because they don't. There's no government official that comes by and goes, "Where is Ataturk's picture, huh? You bastard!" Okay, uh, that's more accurate. Uh, but from the day you're born in the old days, pre Erdogan, from the day you're born to the day you die, all you ever hear in school, TV, anywhere was. Ataturk is the savior of the world, one of the greatest men who ever lived. So like yeah. that's the power of the culture slash cult, right? Where you they get you to believe it. Right? Yeah. So 
But what if it's they get you to believe things about a guy who's actually pretty good? Is that okay? Can we live with that? You'd rather not, you'd rather be fair, but people aren't like that. We're, we're emotional, we go to leaders like the founding fathers. Well, it's, it's, it's fine. <laughs> I, I think the deification of anybody is problematic because you know sure. it's like those people, you know, just no matter how great someone is, they're someone else's villain. Or maybe they engaged in behavior that wasn't awesome, like Ala Gandhi and the stuff that he did. And yet people often will overlook it or just kind of sweep it under the rug because they think this person is greatness. Whereas no, they're just human. And maybe they did some cool stuff. Okay, you guys are so right. First of all, the conversation ends when the Dave does the yeah, it's fine standard. Okay, <laughs> so that's the rock solid. I'll take it and go. But um, I was thinking about the same thing the other day, Adrian, about really like generally famous people, whether they're political leaders, philosophers, whatever it might be. Uh, I was I went back to Columbia when I was in New York, and in the low library, not the one that's like with the dome that it, some of you might have seen, but the one across from it. They have these old philosophers chiseled into the uh, into the wall, right? Herodotus, Socrates, Aristotle, etc. And it occurred to me, for the first time ever, I'm like, wait a minute, they were just dudes. Like in my mind, Socrates is like, oh, sick, they're demigod, you know, in Greece, and he's got the toga thing on or whatever, and and like you can't touch that guy. But Socrates was Bob, who had a lot of time on his hands to think things through. Like, they're not superhuman. They were just humans that did some pretty good things. Okay, have I taken it too far? Yeah, you t first of all, I think you did get the libraries mixed up. I think that's Butler Library. Oh, yeah, this guy went to Columbia. And I'm just pretending I was. Yeah, he's not superhuman. You shouldn't deify people, of course. But Socrates was probably brighter and more thoughtful and perceptive. Than everybody else, except his own students. So he, that's the only reason that he's still being talked about today, two thousand years later. Yes, he he stood above. That's fine. There are people now, intellectuals now, who stand above everybody else. They're more perceptive.